What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Five big topics today. Can we trust Clyde Edwards Elair and Wayne Gallman and Miles Sanders? Yeah, I don't think anybody's trusting Miles Sanders right now. What about Justin Herbert? And we're going to talk about a lot more as well. Kansas City with a 22-16 win over Denver Sunday night. We got to do this podcast quickly because Monday night football, Monday early evening football is starting soon. Adam Azer with Chris Towers and Ben Schrager here on this Monday afternoon. Hey Chris, how was your Sunday, buddy? Uh, I didn't have consistent internet for most of it, so it was pretty frustrating, oh, Adam. But I was good. able to watch uh, most of the footballs, and I'm I, you know, it was just a weird Sunday. You know what it was? It's like the worst Sunday I've ever had as an analyst. Like every single thing I told anyone to do except start David Montgomery went wrong. Well, at least you told them to start David Montgomery over a lot of people. It was kind of I thought, guys kind of a, uh, I don't mean to use this word in a negative way, but kind of a boring day. There weren't a ton of juicy storylines, no. th- th- which is good because that means there weren't a ton of injuries. But it was just kind of a kind of a blah Sunday, which is fine. We need some of those from time to time. What happens too when the second half of the games are all blah? Because the end of the first, the 1 yeah. p.m. games was great. It was amazing. Yeah. But you forget about it when you watch three games, four games, it, nothing's going on, especially for fantasy. Yeah, it was, right. It was four games. The Patriots, 45 nothing. The Giants, Seahawks, the Eagles, Packers, and what was the other boring? Cardinals, Cardinals, Rams. Cardinals, Rams. Yeah, which was okay, I suppose. All right, so let's talk about Sunday night. Another kind of boring game. But, actually, you know, Denver Denver played that game pretty well. They just they couldn't, uh, couldn't score more than 16 points. Um, yeah, like I guess Tim Patrick, Melvin Gordon, those are the major stories here. Tim Patrick had 44 yards and two touchdowns on four targets. He's now he has now scored 10 or more PPR fantasy points in five of his last seven games, 14 or more PPR fantasy points in three of his last seven games. And really, you shouldn't count, you shouldn't say seven. You should say six games because one of those games was the Kendall Hinton game where they completed one pass. So he's been pretty reliable, and Patrick is fifty four percent rostered. So Ben, um, what do you think? Like, how would you compare him to T Y Hilton and uh, Kiki Kuti? I'll take Kuti because I think he has more upside with the better quarterback and an offense that's still going to pass a lot. But I, I like Patrick more than T Y Hilton. T Y, I think, was by far his best game of the year this week, and he's not going to repeat it. I think Patrick could easily catch four passes for 44 yards again. 
and probably find the end zone. So I think Patrick's usage has actually been great all year. It's just that Jerry Judy has a bigger name. So we've been waiting for that to happen. But yeah, I like Patrick more than T.Y. Hilton off the waiver wire. Chris, do you think we can trust Melvin Gordon down the stretch at Carolina, then Buffalo at the Chargers? Yeah, I don't know if trust would be the right word there, uh, but it's clear that the Broncos don't really trust Drew Locke uh, as much as they did earlier in the season, and so they would rather run the ball. Um, the problem is, you know, he's pl- splitting carries pretty evenly with Philip Lindsay. So, you know, Gordon, you were hoping early on in the season it looked like he had that passing game role. Well, he's got five targets in his last six games, so or five targets in his last five, excuse me. So, I. I don't think trust is the right word. I think you can use him. We go go over to the Chiefs. So I wasn't watching this game in real time as we were doing the podcast. What were people saying about Clyde Edwards Elair? That is, I mean, that's just terrible. You got maybe your season on the line here. He was started in 66% of leagues. He was active. He didn't play. Uh, Were people freaking out? Oh, absolutely. Well, there were two, the bigger thing that people were freaking out about was the Tyreek Hill touchdown. Yeah. Well, at least he had a good game. I mean, well, he had an okay game. So Tyreek Hill had basically a a long touchdown call back on a hold and then this ridiculous catch that he made that nobody knew he made and they punted before they could challenge it. Like, he didn't even realize that he had caught the ball. I'm sure you've all seen the replay by now. But, yeah, so he comes up with a pretty bad game when in reality he should have had a massive game. Uh, But Clyde Edwards-Elor not playing is the ultimate is the ultimate screw you in what it's has been just, a very it's frustrating just such bad luck. CEH season. Yeah, there's nothing like there's no actionable information you can have there. He had a stomach flu and he lost a bunch of weight and barely practiced, so they didn't use him, but they didn't tell us that beforehand. And that's just that's crummy luck. I'm glad I told my wife to not start him Good this week. Uh, it was See? maybe the one, call, the one right? call that I got right. <laughs> nice. Um, but there was nothing like there was no predicting that. I guess the good news is that Le'Veon Bell still didn't look all that good and was seeding a lot of carries late in the game to Darrell Williams. So at the very least, it doesn't look like Le'Veon Bell is coming for CEH's job, but it also doesn't look like, you know, it hasn't looked recently like CEH has all that much value anyway. Well, uh, don't, know, don't, uh, don't spoil top, uh, big topic number three. Uh, we do have a CEH question. Well, then why'd you ask about it? I Well, I, <laughs> I was really asking more about the fact that he didn't play. But I, just to, to spoil it a little bit more, in his first six games of the year before Le'Veon Bell came over to the Chiefs, he had 79% of the team's carries, the running back carries, not the Mahomes carries, not the Tyreek Hill, just running back carries. Edwards Ziedler had 79% of the carries by the running backs before Bell. He's got 54% of the running back carries since the Bell signing, and that's not including last night. So that's a big difference there. And the amount of carries that we've seen yeah. from the two from the team. Like, they've changed their offensive philosophy basically as soon as Le'Veon Bell got there. They had the first game he played was against Denver. They had a pick six. They had a punt return or a kick return for a touchdown. They barely had a throw. Since then, I mean, let me tell you what, what Tyreek Hill is on pace for in his last six games since Bell came over. He's on pace for 131 catches, 1,853 yards, and 24 touchdowns on 195 targets. Imagine what that pace would be if they had challenged the the play last night. So um, they've just changed their offense. They throw and throw and throw. They don't run the ball that much anymore. 
And whether or not we can trust CEH is going to be an interesting question, which is why it's one of our big topics, and that we will save for a little bit later in the show. Ben, do you have any final thoughts on the Chiefs and the Broncos? Well, the other guy who's benefited since Bell's come is Travis Kelsey. Eight catches in every single game since then, at least eight catches. So really encouraging there. It's still it's going to be impossible to pinpoint that third weapon to use from Kansas City. Maybe it was Sammy Watkins who got some work down the stretch. Maybe it was Robinson who got a lot of work early on in the game or Hardman, who always has a chance at a big touchdown. But the targets are very concentrated right now. Yep which is not so bad when you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. They are going to win you your league, it seems. Uh, We've got the Monday Night Football Props game at cbssports.com slash props. We're giving away $1,000 every week for Monday Night Football Props. Answer seven prop questions about the Bills and the Niners, including the most total yards. Will it be Diggs, Singletary, Mostert, Debo, or Ayuk? That is tough. Diggs, Singletary, Mostert, Debo, or Ayuk? Singletary is the one that I think I'm going to eliminate first. Who do you guys think gets the most total yards tonight? It's tough. I'm going Diggs because I think the way Diggs' games work, he either has in the 40s in terms of yards or he goes over 90 yards and he blows up. And I think it's one of those nights for him. I think he goes over 90 yards, probably over 100 yards. And it's going to be tough. Debo will be great. And Ayuk will have some big opportunities. But I think Diggs is the guy with the... Most number of total yards. What do you think, Chris? I think I would go with Debo. I don't know if that's overreacting to his first game back, but uh, just the the opportunity seems to be there for him to get a lot of safe, easy targets that he can turn into yards. I'm going to go with Diggs as well. Um, Debo, I feel, will be in the 60-70 range, and Diggs hopefully will be in the 80-90 to range. But this is fun. Go go to cbssports.com slash props. You got a chance for $1,000. We're giving away $1,000 every week. You got a chance to win some money. News and notes. Uh, DJ Moore is on the reserve COVID list. So is Curtis Samuel. So I don't know. We don't know if they've tested positive or not. Debo's also got the ankle injury. Uh, DJ. DJ Moore's got the ankle injury. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, though, they're both on the reserve COVID list, along with a number of defensive players. Uh, not a good list here for the Panthers. Um, and they get Denver at home in week 14. So we'll keep an eye on it. Chris Carson is still not 100% after his foot injury. And he had a good game. He caught a touchdown, played pretty well, played a lot more than Carlos Hyde. Uh, but what's our read now on the on the Seattle running game? Because Pete Carroll wants to get both Hyde and Carson involved. Uh, he said, we really went into the game hoping to mix between Carson and Carlos because both guys are just barely getting back and feeling right, and we weren't going to load up anybody. And really, that didn't really come to light until we made it through the whole week and got all the way to the weekend here. So he's so frustrating to try to decode. But what do we think about the Seahawks running game Jets this week? Well, they get into a situation where one running back is a lot better than the other, and if they're both coming off injuries... They're not just going to play Hyde to make sure Carson doesn't get as many touches, clearly, because Hyde only had two carries yesterday, and maybe they got carried away with Carson on the field, but that's going to happen a lot with Carson because Carson is much better than Hyde. So I'd like Hyde a little bit as a sleeper against the Jets, but I love Carson. I think he's a must-start against the Jets. Yeah, I think you probably look at it and just expect something like 55 to 60% of the carries going to Chris Carson, and hopefully against the Jets, that will be... uh, you know, more than, what was it, 12 yesterday? 13. Um, but yeah, you know, I, Carson 
outside of a handful of stretches in his career, when he's been the starter, he's never really been like an 80% snap share guy. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to be that moving forward, but I do think the Seahawks want to run the ball more than they have this season. I think we started to see that before uh, last week in the previous couple of games. So, you know, assuming that they can win comfortably against the Jets, which you should expect. Yeah, I think Chris Carson is a must-start guy. Okay. And uh, they could hopefully get their right tackle, Brandon Shell back this week. Seattle, they were down to their fourth string right tackle during Sunday's game at one point. The Jets fired defensive coordinator Greg Williams. He made <laughs> one of the all-time worst defensive calls. I mean, nobody does what he did in that situation. And that's true. I mean, like, nobody does a Literally, zero blitz. Literally, ESPN had a stat, 252 situations with a team up, down, no, up by at least six points, 40-plus uh, yards to go. And 15 seconds left on the clock. There have been 252 plays in that scenario. And there has never been a, a time when a team, since ESPN began tracking this, where a team sent at least six uh, rushers. <laughs> and for some reason, they had their safety spying uh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr. It was it just... <laughs> But never forget, despite that. <laughs> that is safety spying Derek Carr? Yes, go watch At the, the 50-yard line? The safety, yeah. It, it was, it, it's an, I mean, he might have just been like playing the running back, but still, like that guy should be playing deep. Uh, but never forget that despite getting fired by the Jets and doing such a poor job, Greg Williams had 11 head coaching offers, including four where he didn't even have to interview, so... Is that true? Does not remember that quote that Greg Williams had? No, he, he said that. Browns? No. Yeah. Oh, no. He's he's a he's a peach. Okay. <laughs> Chris does not like Greg Williams. Uh, he stinks. Doug Peterson did not commit to Carson Wentz in Week 14. And should we be looking at Jalen Hurts on the waiver wire? I mean, I'll tell you straight up, I'm not starting anyone against the Saints. But if you want to maybe take a look at Weeks 15 and 16 at Arizona and at Dallas. Or maybe you want to be risky and go against the Saints, which might be the best defense in football right now among them. Um, but yeah, what's your interest level, guys, in, in claiming Jalen Hurts if he's named the starter? I think, I think Doug Peterson's non-committalness today was like, hey, we're probably going to go with Hurts. So yeah, if you have a bench spot to hold on to him and you need a quarterback moving forward, sure, I'll take him. But I'm not starting him this week, so I really don't want to roster him if I have someone who has a bit more upside, I'd like to hold on my bench. Yeah, I think you're hoping he can be like Taysom Hill. You know, doesn't contribute much as a passer, but the rushing ability should make him hopefully pretty good. You know, he dropped back 20 times last night. He was sacked three times. He took off to run five times. So, you know, that was with five, five carries, 29 yards, and less than a half of football. And that was with no designed run. So I think... If he does get that opportunity to be the starter, I think there is some of that, uh, you know, Konami code potential with Jalen Hurts as a rusher. Daniel Jones could play this week. Giants are hopeful he could be back against Arizona. Let's get to our five big topics here. Aaron Holcomb, what do you do with Miles Sanders? Does anybody have anything to say other than you sit him? No, that's I, it. I don't think he's an auto sit. I kind of do think he is this week. Just This is the number one. This sure. team is better. The Saints, they've got the Saints at home. Saints are the number one team against running backs. They're third best against... Uh, they give up the fewest fantasy points, the third fewest receiving yards to running backs. He's not catching the ball anyway. Um, 
they're a total mess, the Eagles. It's such a shame. I do wonder if he's healthy. We haven't really heard that, but he missed those two games. He's come back for four games, and since then, his longest run, I think, is 14 yards. This is a guy who had back-to-back week 74-yard runs against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And look, it's not like completely uncommon for a running back to go four games without a 15-yard carry or anything, but they're not going to tell us if he's healthy. But his snap, you know, like they're mixing in Jordan Howard now. Yeah. I can't say that, is down. I can't say that everyone's going to have two running backs that they like more than Miles Sanders. So you're right. It's not an auto sit. But who wants to start Miles Sanders? I don't see why you would. Yeah, I think part of the problem for Miles Sanders was coming into the season, I was as high as anyone on him. And a big part of that was the Eagles have often used their running backs in very valuable ways in the passing game. They don't just dump the ball off to them. They look for them downfield. And early on in the season, we saw that. Uh, Miles Sanders had seven targets in the first five games that were at least five yards down the field, uh, including a couple that were you know, 20 plus yards down the field. The last of which was a, he had the defender beat. He was in the end zone. It was against Baltimore and he just dropped, dropped what should have been a touchdown. He should have had at least one other one. I think probably two more um, over the course of the season that either he dropped or went over through, but that should have been touchdown against Baltimore was the last time he's had a target more than five yards down the field Mm. since he came back from the injury. And that was also the game he left with the injury. So, you know, could be part of that as well. But since then, he has 14 targets in four games. None of them have been more than five yards down the field. Uh, they have all pretty much been dump-offs. His quarterback is very clearly not dealing with pressure well, and so a lot of those dump-offs have not even been of the uh, you know high percentage uh, nature that you would expect for a dump-off. It's been, you know, he had the 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 target to Miles Sanders that was picked off by the Browns for the pick six. So bad. Um, oh. And it's been a lot of that stuff. It's been a lot of Carson Wentz just panicking and throwing the ball at his feet or above his head. Yeah, but it's um, been on on Sanders too. I was I mentioned this on yesterday's sure, yeah. show. Brian Westbrook was on with us on Twitch and he he specifically spoke about the things that Miles Sanders needs to do better as a pass catcher. Basically he just has to work on his hands a little bit. It's getting his hands in a different position. So I guess he's still learning that aspect of it, which surprised me. I thought that was really good insight. Um, but uh, like we agree, he's he I I can't imagine he's cracking the top twenty four like this week. You, you know, if you have Cam Akers, you're going to yeah. start Cam Akers over him. Miles Gaskin, yep. obviously. Um, it's just it's not good, and hopefully there's some momentum there. But the Jordan Howard thing really pissed me off. And by by the way, like we're not the only ones who feel this way about Miles Sanders. This was a headline from the Philadelphia Inquirer on Friday before this last game. The headline was Miles Sanders is the Eagles' best offensive player. They're wasting him. Uh, I I don't I don't want Doug Peterson back next year. I don't. I he he either either it's a personnel issue or he's been figured out. But it's really been. Since that Super Bowl run, they've been a pretty average offense. They just run a ton of plays. Yeah. But on a per play basis, they're nothing special. They haven't been. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think he's been figured out. I think the offensive personnel isn't great. And I think Carson Wentz has just not been particularly good. All right, let's go to Matty P here. Second topic, second big topic. Clyde Edwards Elair. Are we able to trust him round one of the fantasy playoffs next week? What a nightmare last night was. Ben, I'll give you the uh, the first word here. And um, they have... Oh, it's looking for their schedule. Who do they have? They have the Dolphins on the road. The Dolphins have been really good at home. Especially like Seattle. Seattle ended up scoring a bunch of points, but it wasn't easy. The Chargers struggled a little bit. The Bengals. Um, 
But these are the Chiefs we're talking about. Anyway, Ben, do you trust Clyde edwards Zeller in Week 14? Yeah, it's not a great matchup. I don't trust him, but he'll probably be in my top 24. I mean, since they've signed Le'Veon, he's only had one game of 13-plus touches, but he's still the RB20 in PPR in that span, if you don't include last night's game where he didn't play. Hopefully, there's clarity on his health before Week 14. If he practices, that'll be a good thing. If he doesn't practice Wednesday, doesn't practice Thursday, limited Friday, I'll be scared that his health is still an issue, but... I wouldn't be so scared about this goose egg. I'd be more concerned about his usage or lack thereof with Le'Veon Bell. The thing is, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, but it's also just, they're just not the running. The offensive identity just not running. since yeah. they got Le'Veon Bell. And he's not exactly. catching it. Like Mahomes, remember earlier in the year, Mahomes wasn't throwing downfield at all? <laughs> right? I mean, the air yards were so low. This, every, they just flipped the script halfway through the season. Um, all right, Chris, how do you feel? I, I would like to get away from Clyde Edwards Zeller, I think. As of now. I mean, we've got five days to think about it, but you know, I'm not I'm not super excited about starting him. He hasn't earned that. Chris, did we lose him? I was muted, sorry. Oh, that <laughs> What were you doing on mute? The cat was making noise. Oh, it's she always had the a cat scratching post and she so it yeah. Um, so the case for Clyde Edwards Elair coming into the season was, yes, we think he's a good talent. Yes, he's a first round pick. But more specifically, he is the go to back in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And that is just a hugely valuable role. We saw that with Kareem Hunt uh, in the two seasons where he was the starter. We saw that with Darren Williams when he took over and when he was healthy last season. That really hasn't Damian been Williams. the case. Yeah. What's that? Damian Williams. Damian Williams. Yes. Yeah. I think Damian combined Daryl and Damian. I think I said Darren Williams too. Yeah, Darren Waller Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, that really hasn't been a particularly valuable role this season, and especially lately. He has, uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair has 10 high value t- touches since week seven, that game that Le'Veon Bell played uh, for the first time. He has four, two carries inside of the 10 yard line, which is a really low number, and he has uh, 12 catches. So, or sorry, he has eight catches. So it just isn't a particularly valuable role. And at this point, he's splitting carries. He hasn't been like, he's been fine as a player, but he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't blown you away with his pass catching ability. He hasn't been, you know, a really standout runner in the goal line area or as a big play guy. And so you add it all up and it's just, it's not the situation we thought it would be. And it's it it mostly comes down to that, you know. Uh, I think the uh, the majority of offensive uh, of a running back's value comes from their situation, and in this case, the situation just isn't great. So let's say you have Clyde Edwards Elair, and you can pick up Ty Johnson facing Seattle on the road. Who do you think you'd be starting, Edwards Elair or Ty Johnson? Johnson, who took over for Frank Gore yesterday. It would it be Clyde. Yeah. yeah. All right. What about Ronald Jones against Minnesota? I think it would be Rojo. They're going to be very close, but it's going to be Rojo for me too. Oh, and just man. for context, sorry. Uh, Clyde Edwards Eler had 32 high value touches in the first six games of the season. He has 10 in the last five, not including last night. That is a dramatic change in his off uh, his fantasy value. All right. Uh, moving on to our next topic. Topic number. We had number three or four, 
or number three? Three. Number three. It's a gall man question. It's from Bada Bing Bada Boom. Bada Bing Bada Boom always says very good uh, buy big topic suggestions. Is Wayne Gallman a strong RB2? Let me look. Maybe they have his bench press results. Let's see how he did to literally answer your question. But but to answer your question... Fantasy-wise, yeah. Gallman. Fantasy-wise, this week, I was like, oh, I'm down on Gallman. Everyone was down on Gallman. He was still an RB2 in terms of everyone's ranking before the week, and he had a great game. So there's no reason why he's not a strong RB2. Touchdown or 100 yards in six straight games, and now he has the Cardinals. They just got blown up by both Cam Akers and uh, Henderson, who barely played but still ran for a big touchdown. I'm confident in Gallman this week. He may even sneak into my top 12 for rankings this week. I I think he can be an RB2. I don't necessarily think... I don't know if there's a ton of upside here. Um, like, if you rush for almost nine yards per attempt and you finish with 13 and a half uh, PPR points that's not really a great game. And, and that kind of highlights the problem is he just doesn't, he's not super involved in the passing game and he's been super touchdown dependent. Um, now maybe he can be, you know, he didn't get any opportunities to score this week, but that was kind of without the touchdowns before that he was mostly just okay. And so I don't want to overreact to one game, you know, where he had a 60 yard run rush for 135 yards on 16 carries, but didn't do anything else. Um, well, I think he's a fine yeah. number two. He didn't do anything else, but he did have like three long carries in that game, and pl- including the sixty-yarder. Sure, he also did. But he was averaging three point eight yards per carry yeah. in the four games before that. Right, and and part of that was they faced the Eagles. They twice they faced Washington. They faced Tampa Bay. But then the game against the Bengals is what really made me concerned about him. Like, is he anything more than he's? Is he like Frank Gore? Basically, is what I was thinking after the Bengals game. Like, you're going to get a lot of work, and hopefully, you get a touchdown. But if you don't get that, maybe what's it going to be like 70 yards? But then this was his best game against a really good run defense, and it was terrific. The offensive line is playing better. I I think he's risky, and I think um, well, exactly what Chris said. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't play in passing games. He plays passing. Or he doesn't catch passes. Uh, I did point out though yesterday. I'll point it out again. He came off the field after long runs twice, and Alfred Morris came in and scored the yeah. touchdowns. Usually, that's going to be Gallman. They love him there, and he's been very successful there. And they don't. I mean, they are the Giants. Always intended to be a ground and pound team with Saquon Barkley. So I don't know. Maybe they'll keep. Pounding it in. Um, he had 21 reps of 225 pounds at the Combine. That's pretty good. That's, that's more than much. I could do. He's kind of a big guy. Yeah. I feel like that's good for a running back. <laughs> I'll tell it you what be. it was. <laughs> it was could Clyde se- Edwards-Alaire do one? It was 72nd percentile is what it was. There you go. He's also in the 81st percentile in height, at least at the Combine he was. Probably even higher for the average American male. <laughs> presumably the average nfl player is taller than the average american uh, i don't know i don't know about sure. running backs though i don't know about running backs i would think yeah, but so. a short running back is like five nine and the yeah. average american male is five yeah. nine like i would be the height of a short running back are you five nine yeah but i i'm i've got like a fullback body weight you know <laughs> i'm really i'm i'm pushing the pile Right, what did That's I say? He did role. 21 reps. How many reps do you think Clyde edwards Zeller did at 225? He did 15. Uh, not available. I don't think he did it. <laughs> I, I've got 15 here, so I don't know. No way of knowing. I'm oh, sure. no, it says it says 15. It says 15 reps. That's 22nd percentile. Always trust me <laughs> for the data. 
All right, uh, we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about Cam Akers and Justin Herbert, a couple of rookies who had very different weeks in week 13. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back. And we're back. You know that reference, Chris? I know Ben doesn't. Oh, Major League? And we're back. No, it was like a Jimmy Fallon radio bit on, uh, on SNL. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Chris updating me during the break. DJ Moore did test positive for COVID. Curtis Samuel close contact. So that means if Samuel is not does not test positive, he should be able to play this week. That's right. That's my yes. interpretation yes. of it. Okay. Um, all right. Big topic number four from NM is Cam Akers now officially the guy in LA, or will the three headed monster return? Ben. Yeah, he was the guy this week. I'm scared that the three-headed monster will return. I think Henderson played 20% of the snaps, which was very low for him, but he was injured and missed almost two quarters of playing time. So, yeah, it was great to see Akers finally get the work. 22 touches, the most of any Rams running back this season, second most second highest percentage of the snaps of any Rams running back, but it was based on injury. And I think it was great that Akers showed that he was the best running back in terms of talent yesterday, but I am a bit scared that they're very comfortable using all three running backs for the rest of the season. Well, Malcolm Brown usually gets about four or five touches, so he has no value, but those are four or five touches that you'd like to see go somewhere else. And it's just annoying. Like Jordan Howard was uh, for Miles Sanders. Um, and then Henderson, yeah, he, what does he usually get? About eight carries or something like that. Seven to ten carries in three straight games before yesterday. Akers got hurt on the, or Henderson got hurt on the opening possession, and he was in and out of the game. So I don't know, Chris. Do you think that Cam Akers took the job or or committee next week? Uh, you know, there's obviously going to be some sort of committee, but you know what I mean. Uh, so I, I think we can look at like the fourth fourth quarter when. You know, Henderson was a pretty active part of the offense. He played seven snaps. Cam Akers played 10. Malcolm Brown didn't play any. Uh, and it was actually Akers had nine snaps on rush plays, one on a pass. And Henderson got six on passes, one on a rush. So I actually, you know, maybe that's what they go with moving forward. Maybe that's a hint. I, I don't think that's necessary. Like Malcolm Brown won't play zero snaps moving forward. And the split between run and pass won't be quite as dramatic as that but you know this was the the second most snaps for any running back all season and what was nice about it was it wasn't situational like there there was the injury uh context obviously but the previous time that the Rams had a running back play more than 50 snaps was Malcolm Brown in that game against Miami where they had to throw the ball 60 plus times and he was you know 
he's been their go-to passing downs guy. So in this instance, it was the first time, even when they've had running or injuries and they have all three of their running backs have missed time this season. This was the first time that any of them have been treated like a true three down back. And so that doesn't necessarily mean it will be the case moving forward. I think it'll probably be, you know, maybe acres plays 50% of the snaps moving forward and the other two guys split, maybe something like what I would expect in Baltimore. Um, but I'm, I definitely feel better about Cam Akers at this point than I have at any point in the season, including, you know, we forget he started week one and yeah. led the team with well, 14 Hender- carries, Henderson but he only hurt, played though. like 30% of the snaps. Henderson was hurt for the week one. Yeah. And then Akers But even in hurt. that game, he only played about 30% of the snaps Akers did, whereas today, you know, yesterday he played, it was like closer to 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a quote from Jared Goff, by the way, if you're curious, uh, he did 20 reps of 225, so that was a 65th percentile. Not not good. As, as good as Gallman, but very close. More uh, than I can do. Akers, as uh, Jared Goff said, early in the year, we have a lot of faith in everyone, but Daryl and Malcolm were just a step ahead a little bit in understanding what we were trying to do on each play. And at this point, Kem is right there with them. So that was a pretty telling quote. Goff also said, you know, he can do everything. He can catch the ball. He can run. He has four catches this year. So even if he is the guy, and Chris just mentioning that Henderson was more playing on passing downs late in the game, New England is their next opponent. It's a Thursday night. Patriots are giving up 3.5 yards per carry to running backs in their last four games. That's following them being just atrocious against running backs. So I don't know if it's because they face like Duke Johnson and they face Baltimore, Houston, Arizona, and the Chargers. And those running backs average 3.5 yards per carry. I don't know if it's a tough matchup. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, how much are we going to trust Cam Akers? Are you going to start him over Miles Sanders? Yes, we established that. Are you going to start him yes. over Clyde? Yeah, I would. I will too. And it's going to be tough to predict game script with this game too because of what the Patriots just did. So I think the odds are Akers is going to lead this team and he has the most explosion of any of these running backs. For are what you, it's worth, Akers did lead the Rams running backs in snaps yesterday. Are or you, routes. In, in routes, to okay. Are you going to um, start... Cam Akers against the Patriots or Wayne Gallman against the Cardinals? The Gallman. Yeah, I think I would probably go with Gallman. Okay, because he did he did have an ex- one more rep of the bench press. All right, from Papa Too Low, our last big topic, Justin Herbert. Was he exposed or just an off day against a strong defense? Herbert, 53 passes for just 209 yards. Two interceptions, four fantasy points against New England. He gets Atlanta this week. That's nice. At Las Vegas next week. Ben, was Justin Herbert exposed or was it just an off day? It was just an off day. He hasn't been great in tough matchups. This matchup wasn't a great matchup for him. But he's got Atlanta next week. He's going to dominate in that game. And then he has Vegas and Denver, who he's already scored 27-plus points against this year. I'm confident that he goes over 25 points this week in the first round of the playoffs and probably 25-plus points for the rest of the season. And the Chargers have given up 27 points or more in nine straight games. And he has thrown 49 or more passes in three straight games. Not, I don't think he'll get that, but he's going to throw a lot. Chris, are you going to trust Justin Herbert against Atlanta? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've played the thing about the, the chargers offense, they're playing just an absurd amount of snaps yesterday. They only played 72 snaps, which is usually a pretty high mark for an offense. And that was their lowest in three games. And 
I think they're third or fourth lowest of the season. They're routinely playing around 78 to 80 or 80 total snaps, which is just an incredibly high volume. Um, in week 12, they played 83 snaps. They threw 52 times and ran the ball 31 times. That's, you know, that's just a, a huge number. And so I think when you go to the question, was this just a bad game or was he exposed? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I was expecting some regression for Justin Herbert as the season went along, and that's what we're seeing. But the overall numbers would still be excellent for any rookie season. 5.1% touchdown rate, 2% interception rate, 7.1 yards per attempt. That's really good. I I don't know how great the return of Austin Eckler and him being such a focal point in the passing game has been just because you're going to be a little less efficient throwing to your running backs, even an elite one like Austin Eckler. But yeah, you go against the Falcons. Maybe he's not, you know, like he looked early in the season, the the must start one of the elite quarterbacks when he was averaging like 28, 27 fantasy points per game. But uh, you probably don't have a better option than Herbert against the Falcons. That's a pretty good situation. Good stuff, guys. We're going to finish the show with some interesting stats here. And, and by the way, do you guys have a lot on the line Monday and Tuesday night? Uh, yes and no. It's like a lot's on the line, but there are so many games left that it's not like one thing. Right, Usually Monday, right. I have like one guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah, I think I've got one game where I'm like projected for 140 points and I've only scored 40 so far. So I just have basically like my entire team going. And yeah, like if I win that game, I'm pretty sure I lock in a playoff spot. But I have no idea how how confident I should feel. Okay, well, good luck, guys. Give me one stat, one stat that you want the people to know. Ben. Colts, high value touches in the past two games with all three running backs active. Naheem Hines, 10. Jonathan Taylor, 7. Jordan Wilkins, 3. And Taylor's high value touches were all catches. None of them were those green zone touches. So Hines has actually been their goal line back, which is disappointing for Taylor's breakout, but Taylor has still been a stud. Yeah, and the thing about that is they kind of use Hines the way the Patriots used um, James White in the last few years of the Brady era, where it's not necessarily like he's the goal line back or red zone back. It's just when the offense is moving and he's in the game, they don't take him out. Yeah, and by the way, that's from Ben Gretsch, Schrager. You got to... Gotta... Per a Gren, Ben Gretsch yeah. retweet. Oh, it's a retweet. Okay, so it's not from Ben Gretsch. It's... um. Retwist. Okay, so Ben is basically the fraud. Ben Gretsch. Okay, glad we established that. I'll let Ben know. Um, all right, oh, Sam Hoppin. Shout out to Sam Hoppin. <laughs> Sam, oh, there we go. There you go. Shouts to Sam. Chris, what's the one stat you want the people to know? Uh, all right, so Kyler Murray has five scrambles and just 10 designed runs over the last three games since his shoulder injury in the first nine games of the season. He was averaging 2.7 scrambles per game and seven designed runs. So he's gone from about seven design runs per game to about three over his last three games. And last three games have also been three of his lowest uh, intended air yards per attempt games of the season. So he says he's healthy. He practiced in full last week. He said he's not intentionally running less, but you, you can't feel great about what he's doing right now and the way he's being used. I wonder if he's going to be a top 12 guy at the Giants this week. I think he probably has to be. I don't know. I mean, you've got it's you got no buys. So you got yeah. you know guys like Rivers and Cousins playing well. I don't know all the matchups yet. Um, who's Derek Carr have this week? Vegas has the Col- oh Colts and, and Chargers. So that that could be a game where both quarterbacks have to throw. I might start both guys over Kyler Murray. 
I'm a bit of a coward. I don't think I could, uh, you know, Adam, you and I talked about on the Twitch stream, you got to dance with who you came to the dance with. And I just, Kyler Murray has been so good. The skill set is so valuable. I just, I don't know if in a do or die game, I could bring myself to bench Kyler Murray. I don't think I'm making the playoffs in the podcast league, partially because of what Kyler Murray <laughs> has done the last couple of weeks. I think I'm going to finish six and seven, but if I did, I'd have to choose between him and rivers and like dancing with the guy who brung you. Yeah. But he's been a really bad dancer lately. He's got two left feet. Yeah, yeah, but he did practice in full last week. <laughs> he did say he does, he's not hurt. Yeah, I, we just, it could that, just be a situation just, where he just decides to run again, and he's you know wins you your lead. Maybe the stats you gave are leading me to believe he is hurt. Oh, so it's your I, fault. That is my that is my assumption as well. Yeah, it's your fault. Okay, uh, well that's it for today's show. Good stuff from Chris and Ben. Thank you all very much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire. And of course, listen to Fantasy Football Today in 5. We're going to have two games to recap tonight. And that'll drop in your uh, in your feed. If you're subscribed to Fantasy Football Today in 5 at 3 a.m. Eastern time. So first thing in the morning, you'll be able to hear our thoughts on the two Monday night football games and the waiver wire. Thanks again. I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.